Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. Today we're going to talk about logic apps. I am here with UC. What's up? Uh, everything good here. Um, for me, what's up is I did something uh, something today that I've been planning to do for twelve months. I bought a tablet for myself. So I thought it was another certification. Well, <laughs> not that I've done plenty this year. So I figured I'll, I'll, I'm not doing any any of those before Christmas, maybe. But I still need to do at least one. But for the tablets, uh, especially for school, but also for whenever I need to read something, I've been wanting to buy a tablet that would allow me to read more productively. And reading from my laptop that doesn't have a touch display, doesn't have a detachable screen, that's a bit cumbersome. Reading at home on my workstation, it's even worse. So I've been going to the tech specs, waiting for new releases and figuring out what would be the optimal device for me. And the runner-ups uh, in the past two months have been the Samsung Galaxy Tab S6, that's a mouthful for a product name, and or whatever iPad. And eventually, uh, today, this morning, after my second cup of coffee, I decided now is the time, now I will buy, and I will make the decision now. And I eventually went with an iPad mini, the 2019 version. Why? Because it's about 9-inch in size, uh, so it's very portable. The battery life is great, and it's optimized for reading PDFs, reading articles, reading online news and stuff, also listening to podcasts. But that's about it. I don't really need the tablet for anything else. So I'm relieved at the same time that I finally got something that I've been planning to buy. But at the same time, uh, I'm hoping that I will actually use the device and not go back to using my laptop for reading something. So that's probably the, the big thing for me today. What about you? What have you been up to lately? So first of all, that sounds interesting because I'm also contemplating what device to get. Um, I've been mixing between the thoughts between getting the Kindle or getting a, also a tablet, but I'm, I'm leaning towards the same decision. I want a tablet because I want to read the news or go to a specific website or do something a bit more, but you know, no heavy performance tasks. Yeah. Um, so I, I might pick your brain on on selecting the right one. Yeah, give me a week for me to run through everything I need with the tablet. Then I, I can probably say if it was a good decision or not. All right, that makes sense. Thanks. Uh, so what's up on my side is an interesting experience I had troubleshooting Azure App Services is a very positive surprise with how they have improved the underlying infrastructure and troubleshooting um, there was some issues with some web apps and it was very difficult to understand where those issues came from. But with the new experience that I got in the Azure portal, I went to the uh, app service, went to the web app, and I just clicked uh, troubleshoot and diagnostics. And then it started doing um, detections and it started by itself to figuring things out. In the past period, uh, there were these exceptions, those uh, error codes and you know, slow response times in that time span. And instead of me going through App Insights and all the logs and trying to put everything together, um, it did that for me. So that was a pretty cool experience. So anyone working on app services and, 
you know, want to get a deeper insight into what's going on, that's the place to go. It, it also helped me with configuring the certificates and PFX files and things like that, because it can find that you have tied it differently. Or if you're using Cloudflare, it will give you warnings that are valid or not, and it will help you with that as well. I don't, cool. I don't think I've ever used a troubleshooting for app service. I always feel that it probably opens docs.microsoft.com slash Azure for me and says, find it yourself. But now that you're mentioning this, I, I have a couple of uh, weird issues with a couple of web apps that I, I might need to take a look at the troubleshooting as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty clever. Just that it it's kind of like a bot, a uh, conversation bot, but it's doing checks for your app service. It's saying, what do you have issues with? And you select, well, it's you know SSL or domain names or performance or availability. And then it does checks in that region uh, and multiple regions if you want. And then you can just drill down. It's, it's pretty clever. So do take a look. Um, that's what I've been up to. And that's what I recommend. And the troubleshooting can be found when I open uh, any web app and I scroll on the navigation blade to the bottom. I think it's, it's, it's in the bottom five or so. I think you can find it there. Um, if you go to the, to the app service or the web app, on the overview page, there's going to be a big box, at least in the current incarnation of the UI, there's a big box saying troubleshoot and diagnostics. Okay. Uh, so just push, push that uh, big button and that's it. Yep. Okay. I'll definitely try that next week. All right. Cool. So that's out of the way. And today we're talking about Azure Logic Apps. Yes. One of my favorites in Azure. I know. And that's why I'm going to ask you just a very plain question. Why Logic Apps? So Logic Apps both creates the possibility for doing integrations, enterprise-level integrations. That's one. Some people might say it's part of the iPaaS, the integration platform as a service, which sounds fancy and enterprisey and enterprise as well. Um, and second, Logic Apps allow you to, to build automations, be uh, for IT pros or devs, but primarily it's about orchestrating a process and, and creating this automation around a given set of services and moving data back and forth with them. Is, is it mainly for enterprises like business to business or is it for in-house or is it for both or for consumers? Like what's the, what's the market? I would say it's, it's mainly for business to business. So obviously there's connectors where you can fetch data, update data in different services. And those might include, um, uh, typical enterprise applications and services, but also services that might not be strictly business-to-business -business services. But the idea with Logic Apps really is that you use any of the given connectors for react reacting to data changes, or you roll your own and say, I've got this sort of data uh, accessible through this sort of API. Please talk to this API that you built or something that's available. And, and then you make business decisions on how your process should run. So in a way, you could say back in the day when we built workflows, be it for SharePoint or on top of .NET with the Workflow Foundation, Logic Apps is the modern replacement, both for workflows, integration, and, and, and managing processes. And, and then that brings my next very direct question. How does that differ from Microsoft Flow? Because that's also... Exactly what you just mentioned. That's what people pitch Microsoft Flow for. So how 
how does Azure Logic App differ from Microsoft Flow as such? Flow uses Logic Apps in, in the backend in a sense that Flow is built on top of the same capabilities that Logic Apps is built. Flow is for power users. That's for users who need to build something uh, something to happen when they get a new calendar invitation or somebody sends you an email or this Excel file stored in SharePoint or accessible through Teams and still stored in SharePoint. Something happens with this Excel file and I want to react to that. So in that sense, Flow for power users. But of course, IT pros and devs can also use Flow. Uh, that's the main difference. The second one is that Flow is more easy to access through Office 365. If you go to a modern SharePoint site and you go to a document library, there's a button called Flow and it allows you to um, connect a Flow and create a Flow that will trigger when something happens in that document library with its contents. Right. So it's easy for the power user to get started with yeah. that. Right. And, and for logic apps, it's more about, let me open Azure portal, let me create this logic app, let me define if it's scheduled or triggered or something else, and then I start crafting this process to the graphical designer. That's, that's the typical approach. And for Flow, it's sort of the same, but it's simplified. So it's, it's more like the personal version of building processes and workflows, and logic apps is the business-to-business -business version. Right. And how do you build them? Because like you just mentioned, uh, for flows, you go into the browser and to a library and say, I want to flow here, and it's going to be able to do these things. For uh, Logic Apps, you can go to the Azure portal, and you can say, click new resource, Azure Logic App, and then you can start from there. Uh, but I also know you can do that programmatically with Visual Studio Code or Visual Studio. What are the options for creating Logic Apps? And, and what would you recommend if I am building something that I need to have uh, repeatedly deployed into various subscriptions or multiple resources. So I need to kind of redeploy the same workflow or same scenario across multiple resources. So how I use Logic Apps myself is that I always start with Azure Portal. I spin up an empty Logic App. And that's really for testing and for me to understand that what's possible, what can I do? I'll, I'll give a quick example I, I met uh, with a customer and they had this specific need that they had one calendar in Exchange Online and they needed to go through that calendar for the past 15 years of data in the calendar and either remove certain items or mark them as, as private or sensitive or whatever the flag is called today so that when they open up that calendar for other employees, then the historical data wouldn't be accessible, but everything they add from today onwards would be accessible. So instead of starting building a command line tool for talking with Microsoft Graph and doing the authentication and authorization polka and figuring that out first, and then do, doing a for, sort of for each loop that goes through the calendar items and hopefully doesn't mess anything up with Exchange Online APIs, I've start with logic apps by spinning up an empty logic app, connecting uh, with Office 365, fetching the mailbox, and then iterating through all items in the calendar and seeing what sort of actions do I have available as part of the logic apps because the connector already exists to Office 365, but the actions that I can then run against that connector define what I can do with logic apps. And if and when I find 
the correct actions as built-in out-of-box actions. I can finish my logic app and have it run. And this is what I use for prototyping and testing. And then later on, if, if we deem that, okay, this is something we really need and this needs to run every month or once per day, then I port that to Visual Studio. So what I prefer using is Visual Studio 2017 or 2019 with the, uh, with the Azure DevTools. And I can create an empty logic app in code, but I also have the graphical uh, representation of the process. Right, and you can export the the one that you did as a pilot in the Azure portal, and you can import that in. I, yeah, I can import that in, but even then, I typically try to start uh, from an empty one because that forces me to really understand what I'm building. Right. The, the fear that I have is that if I export something as an ARM template, it might be 1,200 lines long, and I kind of know what's in there, but I don't really understand what's in there without going through line by line. So I hop to Visual Studio, I build something from scratch, I, and, and I mimic the, the actions and connectors that I need. Then I can test that locally. And if I'm happy with this, I can package it up. And what you shouldn't be doing, right-click publish. I could publish it directly. But other than that, I can then do my real integration and deployment, perhaps using Azure DevOps or PowerShell or something else to automate the test and, and production and dev environments. So let's say that I, I've created a package or, or a template now for my Azure Logic app, and I want to deploy this across my organization in various places. What's the potential impact on cost? Because something that we see a lot is people you know, having resource sprawl, if you want to call it that, where resources are resources, they are created by users or admins, and then they forget about them. What if you have this template and reusable uh, logic app? Do I need to worry about the incurring costs of not knowing where they are or who created them or what they're doing? You know, what, how is it built? And, and how will I get the bill every month uh, using logic apps? Cost management in Azure and perhaps in Office 365 are both topics we probably need to dedicate a couple of, couple of podcast episodes in the future. For logic apps, what I find is that when you use the standard connectors, meaning that you are not paying anything extra for premium connectors, uh, when you use the standard ones, you typically can quite easily estimate what your monthly costs are going to be. But once you start doing uh, recurring logic apps, and in my previous example, I connect with the Office 365 mailbox, I get the calendar, then I do something and loop through the collection. That's one logic app, logic app. But if I modify the logic app to say, please get all employee mailboxes and then loop through all of those. And if I have 50 employees, but a year, year, year from now I have 200 employees, it means that I am firing up possibly uh, additional logic apps that work in unison with the main logic app that initially gets the mailboxes. And that starts adding quickly with the cost because instead of running it once, I might be for each run, I might be running it 500 times once for each mailbox that I'm finding. So I always do a bit of estimation using the Azure pricing calculator. That gives me the rough ballpark. And I know that, okay, this is roughly what it's going to cost. But then I try to factor in the possible 
uh, outlier cases. Perhaps I'm adding a premium connector or perhaps I'm calling something to the Logic app that in turn will, will then uh, put my cost up. One example would be Azure Cognitive Services. It has a given set of, of uh, or number of calls I can do for the monthly quota. And if I run out, I need to raise the quota and the cognitive service would start costing me more, uh, even though the logic app wouldn't cost more, but that would result in higher cost. Right. So as always, be careful, uh, do your calculations before going into production and, and set up alerts and budgets for resources in Azure. Yeah, definitely. And as always, when you run logic apps, it's really tempting to set the logic app to fire up every minute. But typically, what I find is that it's perfectly fine to run it once per hour. Even if somebody is asking you to build a, a process that is real-time or near real-time, I find that if it runs every, every two hours, for many, that feels like it's real-time because they are not uh, monitoring the results 24-7. Right, but they still get a couple of notifications per, per day in the inbox. Exactly. So, so you can save quite a bit by scheduling the Logic App to run every four or every eight hours, or perhaps just run it once per day, and that should be enough because it's doing something that results in additional work for somebody else. Right. Do you also know, speaking of that and recurring costs, and, and you know, some things that we've had issues with in the past um, is infinite loops. So imagine you have a logic app. Is there a risk that the logic is creating an infinite loop that never ends and you will be just constantly billed? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd say there's a reasonable risk for this, but that's one of the reasons why I always build something that I want to test in the Azure portal. It's so quick. I built a new logic app and whatever loops or, or uh, repetitions I built in there, I always test them first simply by running it. And if it doesn't complete in two or five seconds, I know it's doing something it shouldn't be doing. And then again, if I feel the logic app takes a longer time to run, if it's running against an API and it takes 10 minutes to get any results back, I start thinking that perhaps logic app is not the correct platform to build this sort of an integration because it feels more asynchronous and I might want to run it somehow else. One option that I sometimes move to from Logic Apps is uh, Azure Web Jobs that are executed uh, underneath the web app because those might take a lot of time to run and I'm fine if they only run once per day or once per week. Right. Um, so the, the other thing that was related to infinite loops that I'm kind of wondering about is deploying code in your Power Apps how or in your Logic Apps, how... How common is that? Because we spoke before about using Visual Studio and you will do your logic app. Do you generally build C-sharp or is it scripting? You know, what kind of code do you build in there and how do you kind of quality control that so you don't deploy something that's harmful into the environment? That's a great question. And adding code, you inevitably will run into this when you're building your logic app. And you need to perform some sort of an action that's not part of the default actions. And even though there's plenty of actions, you might find something that you're incapable of doing with those. So then you need to branch out and, and run custom code. And you have a, 
a number of options. One would be that you spin up or create your own custom API. So that would be an Azure Web App that exposes a RESTful API. And that you could create with C Sharp or, or Node.js or something else. The second option, which is much more lightweight, is Azure Functions. So the, the classic, if you will, serverless approach in, in Azure that allows you to run a piece of code, and that could be with C Sharp or PowerShell or JavaScript. Uh, and then you would call that API-like. So in that sense, calling your API app or Azure Functions to Logic App gives you this opportunity to run a custom code. And I haven't tried this yet myself, but I'm now seeing that Logic Apps also have inline JavaScript as an option. So instead of, yeah. instead of using a different service in Azure, simply within the Logic App, you say, I'd like to run a piece of JavaScript right here, and it would run that in the context of the Logic App execution. Wow, man. So you just copy something from internet because someone said it was a great script. You put it in there yeah. and... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm notoriously, um, you know, checking everything that I put into my code. And even if it's third-party scripts, whatever, I always want to run some kind of analysis on them. And opening up the Pandora box of enabling custom scripts running as part of your... Uh, Logic App sounds actually like a great thing because it, I see a lot of scenarios where I can make use of that, but it, it also sounds a bit dangerous because we've seen issues before where you know, individuals might just copy something they found online, which are using something that's outdated or that uh, contains some known JavaScript vulnerabilities and stuff like this, but they're still unaware of that and just put the code in and starts running and voila, it's running in your organization. Um, so that's probably something to to look out for. Yeah, definitely. And and the same applies if you want to create your own Azure function. Oftentimes you go in on the internet to find a piece of code that would perhaps do the thing you need to do. And you might find something on um on a website you haven't been to before. So I'm no, I'm not talking about Stack Overflow or or any sort of Microsoft discussion forum, but some random website you might find something that looks reasonably good. And it always pays attention to, to have a look on what am I really running here? Instead of, instead of just copy-pasting the code, hitting F5 and saying, yeah, it, looks, it seems like it's working. Let's go with this. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Uh, you know, there's, there's this security devil sitting on my shoulder always seeing, you know, seeing what I'm doing and, and asking me, are you sure about this? Do you know what the implications is going to be of what you just did or what you're about to do? So I will always ask myself, you know, two times and three times if is the code secure, is the code reliable, is everything going to work? Uh, so I, I think the same kind of scenario applies here. And it applies to everything, whether it's a SharePoint app or uh, if it's a logic app or a flow or wherever you can do some customizations that affect something, you always have to think about what the implications are. And I don't know if there's a limit to the... the size of the script you can put in a logic app but you know i i hope you don't go and grab <laughs> like the minified version of jquery and put that in and then start you know adding a, a full single page web app or whatever inside of your logic app because that would be awkward oh yeah the screenshots that i saw i think that was, that was on twitter from somebody at microsoft they they show you this tiny text box that you can probably resize 
and and you simply put your JavaScript code in there. So my my hope is that it's one or two statements that you effectively execute as part of the logic app. That'll be cool to to check out. That's a good tip, actually. Yep. I've, I've also not tried that. Uh, I saw the announcements, but I never tried it myself yet. So that's going to be interesting. Um, another thing that I want to highlight with flows, uh, because we just mentioned uh, security, or sorry, not flows, but uh, logic apps, is networking and identities. And I know you can run your logic apps using managed identities in Azure. So you can enable your logic app when you have created it to be assigned a specific identity, which you then can use access control and, and role-based access control to give access to specific resources only. So you can lock everything down. You can keep your security awareness, but then you can say, I created a new app here. And this app has to be able to read that resource or from that storage account or whatever. And you can define that using managed identities. Um, so that's a, another thing that is pretty cool. And I think you should look at, so you don't just create another logic app. Oh, it needs access to something and you just, you know, throw access at it or full access to, to do whatever it wants in the subscription, because, you know, again, security awareness says that's not yeah. how you do it. Um, and then I also noticed you could, and I, I didn't actually try that yet. Maybe you have, um, about networking. Uh, can you tie your logic app to a specific virtual network? Because all my resources are secured behind specific networks with network security groups and whatever. And I can allow traffic in if I define it. But if I put this logic app somewhere outside of my virtual network, how can I make that access my storage account, for example? This is a capability that's been uh, around for a couple of months now. I can't recall if they announced this at the build or during the summer. Um, and in order to bind your logic app to talk directly with, with, with an Azure virtual network, you're going to need to use the integration service environment. So that's the more private and isolated environment for logic app, which also, of course, means that you're paying a bit more because you're now paying for both the executions on, on individual processes as well as for the environment. Right. So it's so similar to the app service environment yeah. that you can also have with a dedicated yeah. resource, right? Exactly. So you're dedicating a set of resources and then whatever you run in there, you can then connect that with, with, with your VPS. And this is, of course, something that enterprises typically need. They might have uh, perhaps an Azure SQL database or a virtual machine running uh, a set of APIs or databases, and they need to connect the logic app uh, with those securely as not to route the traffic outside that VNet. And then you can do all sorts of fun things within the VNet, and you don't need to worry that much about the network traffic traveling between multiple VNets or even outside the subscription to the public internet. All right, yeah, and that makes sense. Uh, and I, I really like that, speaking of the service environments that you can get, get now then for logic apps and also for app services, it's they're simplifying so much. A lot of these things were sometimes an architectural nightmare because you had things already running and then you got the new requirements of different routing, firewalls, new type of networks and hybrid connections and whatever it is. With this service environment, you get a lot of those things and you can yeah, control it a bit easier. That's my experience. Yeah. And for the ISE, the, the integrated service environment, you can spin it up as, as a developer skew 
meaning that it's lower cost, but it doesn't have the same service level agreements, or you can spin it out as premium when you go to production. And that's really nice. Yeah. Um, I did not know about that. So that's definitely something I'll, I'll be taking a look at. Um, the final thing that I have on top of my head right now is something that I briefly mentioned in the beginning, I did troubleshooting for app services and, you know, you need to keep tabs on what's going on. Speaking of that, you know, how do you monitor, monitor your logic apps in the best way? What is like the go-to option? Because as I understand it, they're also like we talked in a different episode about, they're also tied to log analytics, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is when it, where it gets funny again. So Microsoft likes to talk about Azure monitor logs, and when in reality they mean log analytics, but Azure monitor might be might might be the interface for accessing those. So when you provision your logic app, if you're using Azure Portal, you're getting you're giving an, given an option for enabling log analytics, and then you can define which log analytics workspace you want to connect with. So whatever your logic app is now emitting out to logs and, and warnings and, and errors, you can uh, log those in your log analytics. And then it's really up to you to use whatever tooling you want against those logs in log analytics. But once you've created the logic app, and if you didn't select the, the log analytics option, you can later add it to the log apps management solution. So you have to go to Azure Marketplace, find log analytics workspaces, make sure you have one already, and then you add the logic apps management tool for Azure Marketplace as well. And then you connect that to your existing log analytics. Okay, so a couple of steps to, to get that done, but it's possible. Yes, and once you have it up and running, it gives you a fairly nice graphical interface, a sort of dashboard telling you that you've had 10,000 logic app runs and 2,000 of those failed. You have 10 running at the moment. Your success and failure trends. How many actions do you have? How many triggers do you have? And what's happening with this and this action when it's trying to connect with whatever source system it's connecting and it failed 27 times? And you can drill down on those. So you get this sort of data uh, through the logic app management interface as well. But I find that's especially useful when you're debugging something, when you're building the logic app. But once that's in production and you might not have the source code readily available anymore, especially if you build that outside the portal, then when you use the, uh, the logic apps management, you can drill down on the historical data and you can realize, oh, last Saturday it failed 27 times. So let's, let's have a look why it failed. And then you don't need or you don't have Visual Studio available, but you can then leverage the logs from log analytics. Yeah. All right. And that makes sense. I guess that that is my go-to plan for whatever I put in Azure is always have analytics or logs enabled for the troubleshooting and diagnostics because things happen, whether yeah. it's because of code or configuration or underlying infrastructure or outages in Azure. doesn't really matter the reason, but you want to stay on top of that and get alerts. And this is a good way to stay on top of that. Yeah. So as, as final advice or, or tips, I would say that if you've been using Flow for now, definitely have a look at Logic Apps. If you are already using Logic Apps or you are more, more heavily in Azure already, have a look at Logic Apps and try both the Azure Portal interface for building those as well as using Visual Studio Code or Visual Studio and make sure 
to enable the monitoring as well. All right. Good final tip. Uh, I think that's it from my side on this episode. Uh, we kind of drained all the, the open topics I had for Logic Apps on my mind. And, and I don't know, is there anything else you'd like to say on no, that topic? No, I think that's the essence of Logic Apps. All right, cool. Then thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.